The following audio is from Life Centre Church. For more information, please visit lifecentrechurch.com.au. For those of you who are new or maybe you've forgotten the story, the book of Daniel is about kings and kingdoms clashing against the kingdom of God. And so what has happened is uh, Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian Empire initially came and grabbed a whole lot of people from Judah and brought them into exile. And over time, uh, these men, these women have been in this land for over 70 years. So by the time we, we got to last week, Daniel was already in his 80s. He starts off in his teens. Now he's an old man. He's been there a while. But something else that we noticed at the beginning of this is now we've moved not just from Babylonian, but now we're in Med- Medo sort of Persia. Okay, this is Darius. So If you remember early in the story, there was this vision, this dream that King Nebuchadnezzar had that Daniel had to interpret, of which there were different colors and different materials made out of this statue. And what they were is they represented different kingdoms that would come and go. And then this one stone would come and shatter them all. So what we've got now is we've moved from the gold head of that statue, which was Babylonian. Now we've got the Medo-Persians who have now come and conquered them. That's why we're here. And now we have Darius. And so we're already into the silver part of that picture. We're moving from kingdom to kingdom to kingdom. And that will happen until we get to Jesus. And then Jesus comes and he's shattering all kingdoms. It's great. So in this story, I want to look at just three things I think that this story teaches us. Uh, Daniel is a great example to us. The first thing I think that we are encouraged in this story is that we as followers of God, we are to focus on honoring God and let him worry about elevating us. Honor God and let him, let God worry about elevating you. So it says in verse 1, it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps. These are governors over regions, okay? These are high officials to be out throughout the whole kingdom. It says that over them he has these three key officials of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give an account. So if you think the Medo-Persian Empire up until this point in history is the largest kingdom ever known to humanity. It is massive. Now they've taken over Babylonia, uh, Babylon and now he's setting out 120 more governors and he wants to make sure that they are ruling well and he has chosen Daniel to be one of the three that all of those governors would then report to. But notice that it says that he wants these people to serve in such a way that the king may not suffer loss. The idea is he doesn't trust Babylonians. He doesn't trust that they know his power and his might yet. And so he's going to pick people very, very particularly that he wants to put in charge. Do you remember last week, Belshazzar, what did he offer Daniel? He offered that he would be third in the kingdom. That was as high as he could. What is the offer going to come and be here to Daniel? Is that actually he'll be second in charge. What you find with Daniel, Daniel keeps getting given opportunities in his life. But he is not chasing those things. He is allowing God to deal with those things. He is allowing God to take care of his elevation and whether he will get promoted or not promoted. His focus is, I will honor God and I'll let the rest be settled by God. Now, how does this happen? Well, it says here in verse 3 that Daniel was very distinguished. It says that he has an excellent spirit within him. And then eventually in verse 4, it's talking about these, these men who basically get jealous that he's going to be put up the top. And it says that they were finding something in him, but it says, but they couldn't find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful. 
Daniel's focus is not climbing a corporate ladder. Daniel's focus in life is not trying to get as high up in his business and have a successful career. His focus is honoring the Lord and trust that God will take care of his success. God will promote me if that's where God wants me. That's his trust. Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to the God, the Father, through him. Verse 23 of Colossians 3 says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Now, is it wrong to get put into high positions? No. We see it all throughout the Bible. God's people get keep, keep getting put in high levels of medical places. These guys are high level in sort of government spots. That's not, the, that's not a problem to God. God is not saying you can't be successful. What the example of Daniel is, is that that doesn't define you. That is not actually the priority of the Christian. The priority of the Christian is what I will do with my life is wherever God puts me, I will honor him. Wherever God places me, I will serve him him and this is what we see with daniel he honors his god above all else he trusts god that god will either elevate him or not and so we see here that daniel is a man of integrity daniel is a man of character daniel is a man that others in the world in the culture in babylon now in persia who are saying this man has has integrity this is this is a this is a good man 6-3 he has an excellent spirit within him Proverbs 20, uh, 20 verse 6 says, Many a person proclaims his own loyalty, but who can find a trustworthy person? What I love about Daniel, what I love about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is what they teach us is that actually if, if we will follow God, we will actually stand out. Because the way that God calls his people to love and to serve is different from the world. And even those that aren't Christians recognize, why do you serve like that? Why do you... Why do, you, why do you never skimp out early? Why do you never, like, why do you never cut corners? And it's because, well, we honor the Lord. Because I'm not serving you, employer. I'm not serving you, boss. I serve God. He's my king. And because I serve him, I, I, I do my job. I do the things in this life a certain way because I'm serving God. The second thing, keep God first though it may cost you. That's hard. That's really hard. Verse 5 says, Then these men said, We shall find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. So these men, they're jealous because he's going to get put into the 2IC. He's not Persian. Okay? He's not even Babylonian. They come to the king and say, He's an exile. He's a Jew. It's actually a racist statement. He is a, a racial minority. And they're saying that this this particular ethnicity should not have the chance to rule in this way. They, they are jealous, but they know that they cannot find any way to get him unless they can create new laws. So here we have a new kingdom, a new king, same old worldly spirit, jealousy, envy. We're going for the top. Don't take the top. We want the top. That's, that's our culture. Also, I think this is interesting, particularly in our times, that if we cannot get them based on their character, we're going to get them based on their faith. Sound familiar? We will change policy, law, to eventually get you. Because we can't get you any other way. So we're actually going to say, this is the new law you must affirm. And if you don't, now we have you. 
Welcome to Babylon. This is the waters in which we're swimming in, yeah? This will keep happening for us. More and more policy is going to get changed. More and more laws will get changed. And you and I will be asked the question of will we keep God first, though it may cost us. And this church, it is not easy. It is hard. But can I also say, it is worth it. Jesus is worth it. So these high officials, they trick King Darius by stroking his ego, convincing him to sign this injunction that cannot be overwritten. And it says that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Two things I think we see here about Daniel that are really, really helpful and for me personally quite challenging. Number one is his internal state. His integrity is such that they can't find fault with him. But Darius is exposed because of his ego. See, your, your internal state will eventually get revealed. Darius loves Daniel. If Darius had thought ahead beyond himself, he would have went, hang on, I see what you're doing here. I'm not going to do this because that's going to hurt my friend who I've made two IC of the kingdom and put him in danger. I don't want to do it. You see that later, right? He comes to him. He's, he's devastated that he can't overrule his own law. That's the way it works in Medopedia. Persia, that as soon as you write it, if it's written in run, the signet's done, that's it. You can't go back on your word, O king. And so he's devastated. But what they do is they, they come to him and they get him based on his ego. And it gets revealed, it gets exposed. They can't do that with Daniel. Because Daniel doesn't have an ego. Because what does he do? He honors the Lord. Verse 10, when Daniel knew that the documents had been signed... I love this. He went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. Listen to these words. These, these are the important words. As he had done previously. This is not something that he just did in this moment because the pressure was on. This is something he has always done. He's been in Babylon for probably close to 80 years now. And for 80 years, what has he been doing? He's been opening up his windows. He's been looking towards Jerusalem, which is something that Solomon had, had prayed and prophesied when the temple was built. And so he calls all the people, hey, look to Jerusalem, look to the temple, look to the temple. Why? Because that represents God. The temple is, that's the presence of God. So pray towards the temple. Pray looking at it and going, that's the prom- promise of God. That's the presence of God. And so this is what he has done even in Babylon. He's been doing this for 80 years and no law will change that. FBI hostage negotiator Chris Voss, he's got this book called Never Split the Difference. He writes this, he says, when the pressure is on, we do not rise to the occasion. Rather, we fall to our preparation. His point is, We have to train FBI negotiators in high stakes, high intensity, so they get used to the pressure, so that when they hit the pressure, they actually fall to the preparation. This is every athlete that's ever played sport, right? They they don't just kind of rise to the occasion in that origin game. No, they've been training since they were 15 years old for that one moment in that high stakes state of origin game where they will come through. We all go... Whoa, what a hero. It's like, yeah, but I've been doing that every single day, time after time after time after time after time after time. To us, it looks like they have risen to the occasion. 
pressure, stress reveals what's truly on the inside. I remember when Carly and I got married, we had kids. I, I had like this, this anger issue. It wasn't insignificant. It was significant. It's a trait that comes through the family line known as the Lewises. We're psychos. That's just what we are. We're crazies. Okay. Uh, my brother Barney, if you don't know him, you meet him. We used to call him Snapper. Why? Because he snaps. He's crazy. Um, and so you get married. Pressure. You have children. Pressure. Anger would come out. And what I used to say is, I'm not an angry person. I just have moments. What I, what I started to learn was actually, no, 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 it's, I am an angry person. It's just these are the moments which reveal that I've got anger. And so I had to learn if I'm going to overcome this, I've got to acknowledge this is my character. This is within me and it's coming out because of the pressure. If someone says that they're a runner, how do you know that they're a runner? You watch them run. If someone says they're a musician, I've watched Australian Idol. You've watched Australian Idol. You're not a singer. You're an accountant. Keep doing numbers. You're good at that. This over here, mum and dad should have told you a long, long time ago. Pitch is not your thing. How do you know? You watch them play. You listen to them sing. A builder, you watch them build. A soldier, you watch them battle. A Christian, you watch their life, especially when the pressure comes. Because that's what reveals on the inside. Um, here's a picture of, uh, of some sport for you because I follow the Miami Heat. Uh, in the NBA. And if you don't follow the Miami Heat, that's totally fine. I will pray that God will reveal you and draw your heart to the Miami Heat. I'm a big basketball fan. Okay. Uh, this is a picture of Ray Allen. Um, he is this gentleman here. You can see, you see how high he's jumping? Uh, this, this photo here is a picture of what is regarded as the greatest shot in NBA Finals history. This is the highest stakes moment in NBA Finals. Uh, you can't probably see it real well, but right around the whole NBA sort of uh, basketball court is this yellow tape, which is basically the, the team in black, the San Antonio Spurs. Everyone just say boo. Boo, yeah, they're of the devil. Um, anyway, um, the yellow tape had gone around because they were about to win this game and they were getting ready to bring out the NBA championship trophy. But Ray Allen hits this shot where he gets a rebound. He doesn't look at the ground and he takes two steps back and he has to have his feet behind the three-point line. He jumps up and shoots a shot and he hits it. And he, in that moment, he is the greatest hero in NBA Finals history. And everyone is like, man, he rose to the occasion. He gets interviewed about five years later, asking him about this shot. And you know what he said? He said, I've probably taken that shot close to 100,000 times. He puts up some days 10,000 shots a day. And he had practiced he reckons close to 100,000 times where he would grab a rebound. He would not put his eyes down to the ground to see where the line is. He would know and he would take two steps back, jump straight up in the air and hit a three-pointer. He did not rise to the occasion. He fell to his preparation. He practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced. And when the pressure hit, he was able to hit the shot. To the rest of us mere mortals, we're like... I was losing my mind. I was like, I had tears. You know, I was like, oh my gosh, this is my favorite moment. <laughs> my wife thought it was our wedding day. It was the Ray Allen three. It was like, oh my God. The decision for Daniel to go to the lion's den was made decades ago. 
Decades ago, he decided what he will and will not do. And he has practiced, I'm going to pray three times a day. And it doesn't matter what the world does. doesn't matter what policies they change. You will not change my relationship to God. Do you see? Church, the pressure is coming. The challenge for us as Christians is coming. We're feeling it already. We're, we're experiencing it already. The question is, like, will we wait for the moment before we try and step up or will we prepare ourselves and say no? And it happens in the million little moments that we do all the time. The kids today are learning about Jesus. Basically, part of his story is, is he's learning how to honor God in the small little moments. And if you read Jesus' life, he's having this moment as a 12-year-old kid where he's honoring God at the temple. And what Marie is teaching many of our children today is that moment happens heaps and heaps of times in Jesus' life. So when it comes to the cross, he will honor God because he's honored God day after day, day after day, day after day, day after day, he's honored his father. And so now the high stakes pressure comes. It's hard, it's not easy, and he follows and honors the Lord. He counts the cost. Daniel has a spiritual rhythm of praying three times a day, facing towards Jerusalem. The decree comes, but his loyalty is to God and not to Darius. And so these men catch him. They scheme. They tell the king, you've got it in writing. We've caught him. The king is distressed. Daniel is not. I love that. And we see another moment where there is civil disobedience. Again, throughout this, this book, we've seen it from the first sermon that, that Shane delivered to open up this book, where we keep seeing that some things in culture they accept and they do assimilate, and other things they say we will not. And so the question is, as Christians, how do we work out how to live in Babylon? How do we, how do we live as exiles in the world? And I want to give you just four W's real quick uh, that Carly and I use to help us make decisions in this life, and then I really want to look at the first one because I think that's what we're seeing here, Okay. So if you're thinking through how do we make big decisions, how do we make important decisions, the first question we want to ask as Christians, as people who follow God is, is this decision worshipful? Does this decision show that I love God more than anything else? So when you're buying that house, taking that job, it gets to the motivation. Why? Why am I doing this? Second question is, is it wise? Often we ask, is it right? Is it wrong? So many of the things that we do in life have nothing to do with right and wrong. It's about whether they're wise or foolish. Is it wise? Is it the time to buy that house? Is it the time to do that? Uh, is it a good witness? How does this decision reflect God to the onlooking world? And then thir- uh, fourthly, is just does it work? Is it getting you to where you believe God is calling you? In this particular instance, I think this is about, is it worshipful? Right? We've seen this throughout the book. What, what Daniel does here, what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have done is if, if this decision means direct disobedience to God's word, can't do it. Not worshipful. Won't do it. If it shifts God from his throne, nah, can't do it. I'm not going to bow down to your statue because that shifts God from his throne. God stays on the throne. I can do this over here, but now you're asking me to, to shift. And then I love this because I think this is what's going on here with Daniel, is if it shifts me from my communion with God, I will not do it. So I will keep praying to God because that's my communion. That's the way God and I relate. And it doesn't matter what you do. I can't shift that because that's what makes it worshipful. We live in Babylon. 
Our culture is seeking to assimilate us. And like Daniel, we are going to be presented with opportunities that we need to seriously consider. Is this decision worshipful? Single person, single for a while, really praying, really asking God for that person. He's cute. She's cute, but not Christian. What's the decision? It's hard. It's like, but I've been waiting for a while, waiting for a while, waiting for a while. Yes, but they're not worshiping God. Will you do that? Career opportunity. Yeah, I'll take this job. It pays me more. But what's the spiritual payoff? Does that take you away from the church community? Does that take away from being able to be a part of the church family? Like, where does it take you? What's, what's the, the long-term spiritual consequences? If we buy this home, how will that affect us spiritually? If we do this, how will that affect us spiritually? And then I also love the fact that his faith is public. Have you noticed how many times throughout this story that they're trying to privatize everybody's faith? Stay in your lane, Christian. Stay there. Shush. Paulie Shorey, some of those of you who are like 40 and above, you know what I'm talking about. Even some of you who are 40 and above like still don't know what you're talking about, but that's okay. The culture wants us to be quiet. What we don't see here is, is like a scene. Daniel's not making a scene. But he is refusing to stay quiet. I'm going to keep praying. You, you can't just put me into a lane. You can't make me privatize my faith because everybody has faith. We're all putting our faith into the decision making. I will not privatize my faith. So they set this trap. And I love that it says that they set this trap knowing the only way that they can get him is according to the law of his God. Oh, that's a challenge. I wonder... I wonder if our culture can count on us being that faithful to God. They are counting on his faithfulness that he won't follow them because that's how much they know he follows God. That's the only way they can get him. That's, oh, wow, that's, that's a challenge. I wonder if you and I can count on each other to be that faithful. One of the most important things I have found through difficult times is looking to my left and to my right and seeing other faithful brothers and sisters who are like, well, we ain't barging. And then all of a sudden it strengthens my back and go, well, if you're not, I'm not. We're in this together. Yeah, we're in this together. We're fighting. We're not giving up. We're not quitting. James Montgomery Boyce says, if we practice our religion on the reservation and do not attempt to bring it out into the real world, the world will tolerate us. But if we determine to take our stand on any important issue on the basis of genuine religious principle, the fury of our secular society will break all bounds to get us. We have to count the cost. And 30, 40 years ago, it was easy to be a Christian. Now it's starting to get hard. Amen? So we looked at people like Daniel. This is, a, this is an encouragement to us. And then thirdly, trust that God is able to deliver you. Once again, this is a king versus king moment, a kingdom versus kingdom moment. Darius is like, can your God that you faithfully serve, can he deliver you? Church, what is the answer? Yes, he can. Because we don't serve a dead God. We don't serve a God of wood, of stone, of gold and silver. We serve the living God who acts, who moves who serves, who heals, who restores, who establishes. That's our God. That's Daniel's God. Now I'm preaching. 
This is the story that we serve a God who is able and willing. And we need to hear your stories of where God has done that for you because that will encourage us that he can do that for us. So may your God whom you serve continually deliver you. I love that, whom you continually serve. And then the the king comes early in the morning. King declares to Daniel, oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually, there it is again, being able to deliver you from the lions. See, these lions then, they never fed the lions. Ever. Except with humans. Welcome to the Medo-Persian Empire. They let them just go hungry and hungry, so the lions would just sit there waiting and waiting till the next body would get thrown in and they would go and shred that body. But not Daniel. Why? Oh, well, in my paraphrased version, Daniel responds, Good morning, my king. I hope you are okay. I slept like a little baby with your lions. Their warm bodies, their fur, they kept me warm all night. Their purring, that was like the fan with a little tick that just puts me to sleep at night. You're like, oh, there you go. It just, it kept me going. Also, I had a, had a special guest show up. My God sent his angel, shut the lion's mouths. They did not even touch one of my gray hairs. How good is my God? I honored him. I never did anything to wrong you. I put the whole situation in the, in the hands of my God and he delivered me. I trusted him and him alone and he has saved me. This is my God. Daniel is restful. Daniel is sleeping. Daniel is being warmed and kept basically warmed up by the enemy's plans. And Darius the king is restless. Why? Because Daniel knows his God. See, we don't know what Daniel prayed in the den. But I wonder if he prayed Psalm 22, verses 19 to 21. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. See, I don't know what it is that you are facing right now. I don't know your story, but I do know God. We have a God who delivers people. We have a God who heals people. We have a God who provides for people. We have a God that saves, forgives, restores. We have a God that helps his people. We have a God that draws near to his people. So I don't know what's going on in your marriage. I don't know. But I do know that if you'll honor the Lord, put him first, God saves. God delivers. God heals. God restores. There are people sitting in this room today whose marriages should not be going the way they currently are, which is really great. They've sat in rooms with me where there is no reason for their marriage to keep going, except they both said, we will put God first and God has restored the marriage. There are people in this room who have been in bankruptcy and have said, our finances are in absolute shambles and we don't know what we're going to do. And they decided, no, we will continue to honor God and put him first. And now they're doing well financially. 
There is story after story after story in this room of men and women who have faced the den. Who are like, we don't know how we're going to get through. And God has said, trust me. And God comes through. Verse 25, I love the end of this story. It says, then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, languages that dwell in all the earth. This is going over his whole kingdom. Peace be multiplied to you. That's fascinating. You will see this picked up all throughout the New Testament, this language. Peace be multiplied to you. Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. Listen to this. Why? For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed. His dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. This is an incredible decree by a king who is not following Yahweh, but he's seeing it and he's telling the people this is the true and living God. And I want to finish with this as the band come up. Daniel is an incredible example for us. It's a challenging example. But even greater than that, Daniel is pointing forward to what Tim Keller would call the true and better Daniel. That there would be another who would come and would do this in an ultimate way. That the true and better Daniel, likewise, was not only faultless, Jesus was seen as sinless, even by the thief on the cross. To such a degree that his religious elite had to scheme to get him executed. The true and better Daniel, likewise, had his fate sealed by the official rings of those in power of Herod and Pilate. The true and better Daniel, likewise, after being lowered into a den of death, had a stone rolled over to seal his fate. The true and better Daniel, likewise, early in the morning, had others come to see his fate, to find out that he was alive and vindicated by his God. And the true and better Daniel, Jesus Christ, death and resurrection, leads to the salvation of not just the Hebrew Jewish people, but to all who respond in repentance and faith. And while Daniel may have prayed, Psalm 22. Jesus definitely did pray. Psalm 22. While he was hanging on a cross, he cried out, verse 1, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus cries that out so that he would be forsaken and you and I could cry what maybe Daniel cried, but you, O Lord, do not be far off. O oh, you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. Jesus prays 22.1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me so that we would not be forsaken? So that we could be saved, so that we could be rescued, so that we could know what it means to walk with the living God. Know him, follow him, trust him, honor him. And he will deliver. And this is the story of Daniel. That Jesus is better. Jesus is worth it. And he will deliver. He will rescue. And if you've put your faith in Jesus, you've already experienced that. If you have not, put your faith in him. Trust in him. And you will be with him. Secure in his arms for all of eternity. Amen. Let us pray. Father of 
Daniel, father of Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, father of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, and the list goes on. You are also our father. You are our God. And the one that we have read of is the same God today, the same God tomorrow, the same God yesterday. You never change. And you continually love and draw near and come close to your people. And you continually restore us, heal us, strengthen us, deliver us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help convict us to honor our King, to serve you first and you alone. To, to not allow the culture around us to make decisions that would shift our worship of you, that would not allow us to make decisions to, to bring you down the rung of priority in our lives. Know that you will be one. You will be the center. You will be all. And God, that we will count that cost and we'll trust that you will deliver, that you are sovereign, that you are good, And the safest place we can be is in your arms. And we thank you that Jesus, you proved that you are good to us. You died on that cross. You rose again so that we could be delivered. And we are. We are freed people. The world may try and bind us. The world may try and control us. But we are freed. Because the spirit of the living God lives in us. And we have been set free. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Life Center Church, located in North Lakes. We exist to make, mature, and multiply disciples in communities that depend upon, declare, and display the gospel of Jesus Christ in all of life. If you would like more information about us, please visit lifecenterchurch.com.au. We provide our podcasts free of charge. Please feel free to download the content and share it with others but please do not edit or alter the content in any way without the written permission from the leadership of LCC.